Welcome back to Queer Alien Blast. We are a fan podcast for Roswell, New Mexico, focusing on the LGBTQ issues. First of all, we'd like to thank all of you who listened to our first episode on Alex Mays and gave us your feedback because it was very, very kind of all of you. I'm Mick and I'll be your moderator for today. Hi, my name's Amanda. Uh, I'm Bisexual Alien Blast on Tumblr and by Alien Blast on Twitter. I'm Sarah. I'm Fraudulent Zodiacs on Tumblr and Fraudulent Zodiacs on Twitter. Okay, and today we'll be discussing the women of Roswell. Um, for the first question, I thought I'd play devil's advocate for a while and ask my co-hosts if they think that the show is female-driven, even though it is actually woman-led. Do you guys think it is female-driven? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that pretty pretty confidently in my, for myself um, that while there are strong female characters, absolutely, um, the focus is, whether it was an intentional or not, the focus is absolutely with Max and Michael mm-hmm. and how they view the world um, and sort of where they, where they exist in the world and where, how everyone else exi- exists around them. So I definitely don't think it's female-driven. Yeah, I think I have to agree. I mean... Liz may be the main character, but her entire story arc is almost exclusively driven by Max, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, a lot of it is Rosa-based, too, but it, that everything Rosa still revolves around Max because of what happened. Right. So, but say the story is definitely driven by Max and Michael and the men of the show. And that's why, to be honest, I was thinking, would the show pass the Bechdel test? Mm. Uh, no. I don't think I don't think at any moment I don't think at any point in the first season you could say I don't think that there was even a scene where it would pass the Bechdel test. I'm I'm really trying to think about any you know, and I don't think there was one. Maybe that scene at the Wild Pony with Maria and Liz when they find the Rosa's um, treasure map thing. Maybe, but I mean, it 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 depends on the sort of timing of it. They immediately started talking about Michael. I mean, right after, but maybe, maybe that scene, yeah. They, they may have moments, they may have moments where they're having discussions yeah. of other things, but I, I probably all added together just a few minutes of all of, all of season one. Even, even the moments we're supposed to celebrate their friendships in this show, right? It's sort of the point, the underlying theme of this show, and it's, um, their friendships even really sort of revolve around men, and it would be nice to have scenes of them having their friendship outside of that. Absolutely, which is also why I think... Does this question of is the feminism in the show performative? Is it actual feminism? Do you think it's more things they say and then don't actually act on them? Or I would say for me personally, there are there's some groundwork for some really awesome feminism in this show. Now, it is a CW show. <laughs> so like, for example, Maria runs her own business and she does it pretty single handedly. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing, right? You have Liz who didn't stay in Roswell. Now, granted, some of that was out of her control, but 
she even says in episode six, you know, all, all of what she says about not wanting to stay behind for a boy and then sort of travels the world, Jenna, military, all of these things that we will discuss. I mean, those are, those are pretty important. You know, they didn't just sort of show them in a home, homemaking, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some, there's some really amazing, strong characters in here. Now, (laughs) the dialogue of the show, a lot of times, I think there's a, there's a divide between the characters Mm -hmm. they've built and then, then how they interact with, with other people. Our next topic, which we all wanted to get on for this episode, is queer baiting. We saw a lot of queer baiting being discussed over Malik's not ending up together by the end of season one. And I just want to say, uh, on behalf of all of three of us, Malik's is not queer baiting. Nope. Like, let's just get it out there. <laughs> it's not queer baiting. We do have a definition of queerbaiting for you guys. So queerbaiting, according to Judith Fathala, is a strategy by which writers and networks attempt to gain the attention of queer viewers via hints, jokes, gestures, and symbolism, suggesting a queer relationship between two characters and then emphatically denying it and laughing at the possibility. And I will also add never actually textually confirming it like whether or not they laugh it out right i'm gonna uh, do you mind if i add on i found a really good definition this morning so it included that definition about um sort of uh implying but never actually following through and then another thing that i thought was interesting um is kate harrod wrote a book called claiming the b in lgbt so it's talking about bisexuality in tv and she says the intention behind queer baiting is to attract certain demographics so queer people um you know, specifically women, um, while still retaining more conservative viewers. And that's sort of the important part that I think that Mm -hmm. they think that a lot of times queer baiting is if you have too many queer people and it's too queer, then you will then alienate anyone else um, who is not. The the assumption that you, queer people will watch straight people, but straight people won't watch queer people. Well, and when I think of queer baiting, I know Mick, you're a former Wolf fan too. Yeah. I think of that scene in the rave where Styles is talking to, I think it was a, I think it was a girl. It's been so many years and they kind of imply that maybe he's bisexual and he kind of has this hmm moment. Mm, yeah. And then it's never talked about again. That's enraging. Yeah. All of this being said, what is and could be defined as queer baiting in this show is Rosa and Isabel's relationship. We meet them um, in episode six in the flashback in high school and we realize that they were friends and possibly more when we see them interact and hold hands. Um, But then we have episode 10 when Isabel starts getting her memories back and she says, I think I was in love with her. And right after that, all of that is basically crushed. Like, my hopes were absolutely crushed because um, Isabel goes and, and, and is like, but no, that was the first alien. I have no doubt that was the first alien feeling those things. I, it wasn't me. Right. I think we know that from Rosa, it wasn't, it wasn't romantic. Like, we, I think we get that from the scenes that we see. But from Isabel's, um, it stays uh, ambiguous until basically the last few episodes so that's i think that's the ambiguity of it all um so yeah what do you guys think 
Well, I mean, there's a part of the reason that the queer baiting of Rosa and Isabel sort of works with the audience, right? Is that there's no queer female rep in the show and it doesn't feel like there ever will be. Now that we're going to talk about it later, there might be in season two. We don't know with Isabel, but I have to say that the Rosa and Isabel part of the show is probably what angered me more than anything else because it did feel like these hints, this run away with me, holding hands, like all of this is clearly coded in one way. And then of course it's destroyed by the end of the season. And I know that it was yeah. for a point, but what it felt like it was saying was it made, here's what it is. It made queer female relationships creepy. It made, exactly. it made you uncomfortable. Cause you go back and watch episode six now. Like I watched a little bit last night and it is extraordinarily uncomfortable because is, she's yeah. not coming across as someone who is questioning her sexuality in an attraction to Rosa because she's Noah. Um, it comes across as predatory and uncomfortable. Yeah. And what is that saying about possibly, you know, bisexual women? It's, it's extremely uncomfortable for me at least. Yeah. Well, and I think the point of that was for Isabel to come off as predatory because she's Noah. Well, of course, right. But I agree. You know, now you've got... But now you have a queer woman being predatory. Yes. And that's extremely problematic, but... Basically, everything with Noah and Isabel is Exactly. Problematic. Like, you can't... <laughs> yeah. If a man of color, a possible woman... Anything one. involving Noah at this point that isn't problematic, because not just Rosa, if you go back to his relationship with Isabel, how abusive it is, and all the consent issues there. Like, you can't... Yeah. Anything that Noah touches on this show from now on, it's not going to be a problem. Which, real quick, is enraging for me, because he's a brown man. Right. And by the end of the season, he's the villain. And that's not the point, because there are a lot of characters of color on this show. So him being a villain wouldn't necessarily be the bad thing, had the good people been also people of color. But they're not. They're the white aliens. So that's what's enraging for me. But yeah, absolutely. All of this about Isabel and Rosa and... That's also why I partly, it's, it's a two-part thing uh, about Rosable in season two. Because I've seen people wanting that relationship to continue in season two. And I'm like, okay, first of all... First of all, there's an age difference now. That's the first thing. And second thing, Rosa thinks Isabel kill her. Like, right. who in right. the right mind <laughs> would be like, right. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm a minority here because I could be here for Rosabelle once all their issues are worked out. Once Rosa realizes that Isabel not the one who killed her. And the age difference doesn't really bother me because it's 19. I mean, it's a little skeevy, but I could see it once they work out their issues. Yeah. To me, it's not even about their age. It's the fact that basically Rosa has been... I mean, literally encapsulated for 10 years, mm-hmm. the, what that will do to your psyche, your maturity, your, if Rosa comes out of that pod and is put into a yeah. relationship this season, I think that is a terrible, terrible, Oh yeah, no, terrible I'm idea. thinking like, you know, season three or something. We, you know, right. I mean, maybe later on, and I, I, maybe, yeah, maybe not with this, I mean, where, however they go with her, maybe, but I mean, that would be a terrible idea. I'm playing the long game here with Rosa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they could work up to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, since we're on the issue of queer baiting, um, there are also, besides Isabel and Rosa, there are other moments on the show that are queer coded for women. Um, we can see some of it with Maria, especially, I think, in 
well again in the relationship who she has with Isabel and I think a little bit in the relationship she has with Rosa which is implied in the show as well um, do you think this is still queerbaiting or do you think this could be even for Isabel and Rosa this could be working up to exploring their sexualities in, in season two I think it's hard to define that as queerbaiting because to me, there's a difference between queerbaiting and building up to that storyline. You know, so if they're if they're going somewhere with all of these moments with Maria, yeah. then no, it's not queerbaiting. Now, if if they sit there and they have these kind of coded moments and then the, the you know, Maria or the or Karina or whoever in the interviews are like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, maybe. And it never happens. Well, yes, and, and I don't know that necessarily because here's the here's the problem. Right. So, of course, that like scene with Maria and Isabel that everyone knows, you know, in the episode with the, the palm reading or whatever. Um, uh-huh. You know, there's a lot of chemistry there. Part of it is also fandom holds on to something Absolutely. and sort of stokes the fire of this ship mm-hmm. and analyzes that scene. I mean, I even did like a shit post about it, right? Like, so it, you know, there is clearly chemistry there. Now, part of it also is, did the sh- is the show queer baiting, or are we, you know, sort of creating a ship from these few scenes and and continu- continuing on even if the show isn't really hinting at it? Or you know, does that make sense that? Um, yeah. I think if the show had had multiple because it can come down to they just have that kind of chemistry. <laughs> I mean, truly, yeah. it really can happen. Those characters and those two actresses and that they just have chemistry with one another um, and just fandom takes it and runs with it. Um, so I don't know that I would necessarily anything to do with Maria being queer baiting by any means. I think it depends on if they have more moments like that. And, and you know, if that can if the, those moments continue mm-hmm. Um, then I think that I would be asking myself, you know, you know, what are these moments about? Is, is it building for something or is it just to do things like get, to get people excited about it on social media or to have that queer women rep without actually having that rep? Okay, so moving on. We've seen Isabel start off the season as this ice queen and this... I think we could call her a bitch. She's oh, not actually 100. one, but I think we could call her that. Um, and as the season progresses, we see this mask that she has on and she realizes she has this mask on. We see it unravel slowly during the season as she finds out the secrets about her. And by the end of the season... The, the mask completely falling apart and her life with it uh, leaves her lost. Now, how will she deal with this in season two? We'll have to see. But I think it's really interesting. Um, her journey through the season, I think, was really interesting from this person that's really, really cold with anyone else that's not her, her brothers um, and her husband. And see her become come more into her own by the end of the season and taking matters into her own end and making decision for herself. Um, I think that with Isabel, I mean, I have to when I and I'm going to be completely honest, because why not? We'll just alienate everyone. When I first started watching the show, I, I Isabel I, was one of the reasons I almost didn't continue. And, and, and mm-hmm. I want to explain that. I, I, I love her now. Mm-hmm. But I want to explain because I think. I'm tired of this sort of tall, beautiful blonde woman being a bitch to everyone. And mm-hmm. and I'm tired of her anger and her meanness was almost always turned to other women. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that you can sort of 
have that explained and that season did a good job of sort of giving you a hint into her her outlook but she still doesn't have any female friendships mm-hmm. and she still doesn't have a connection with any with 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 women in the show other that beautiful scene with her and Liz of course um but i think Isabel I think they have a lot of groundwork or a lot of work to do with her to sort of integrate her with other people because she was super isolated. Now, mm-hmm. part of that is Noah, and that makes sense, and I get it. Yeah. Um, but I will say in the first couple of episodes, I was just not a big fan. I just thought, here we go, beautiful woman who's a complete bitch to everyone else. Like, I, I lived that life in high school. Why are we doing this again? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Another one? Right, another one. You know, but they did a, they did a great, a good job of towards the end, me feeling... A heck of a lot more sympathy for her. Yeah. Well, I love Isabel. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a big fan of John Mulaney, too. And he has this line about his wife and people call her a bitch. Oh, Jacob. yeah. You know, that's my wife. She's a bitch and I love her. I love her. her so much. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of how I feel about Isabel. But it does bug me that she doesn't have connections really with anybody outside of Michael and Max and Noah but also I think that the issue with her connections with female characters is that the only female characters that we have that are of any significance are Liz Rosa and Maria who all hate her from high school right yeah oh absolutely and there I mean I know there's a reason for it absolutely um but it's hard to watch a show that sort of celebrates female friendships in, in on one hand and yet isolates Isabel to this point. I hope that they give, I hope, give Isabel a friend, you know, to 2020. <laughs> like, that's all I really want. But I think part of the reason, I think part of the reason that they isolate her, though, is because Noah isolated absolutely. her. I think he and I, did yeah, that absolutely. It makes sense. So. so, we've talked about her sexuality and when it comes to Rosa, but I think we can discuss it um, for Isabel as a character separately. So, we see her sexual confidence when it comes to her sex life with Noah. Um, And we've seen a hint of her possibly not being straight in her own mind uh, and not when she's possessed. When she talks about Rosa and remembering her with Michael. But um, I still believe that that scene of her coming out to Michael um, is more for his benefit of saying the word out loud than not for her own identification. So how do you guys read? Like, do you read it again as queerbaiting? Or do you see it as a hint of we're going to explore this at a later time? She's figuring it out. Here's the thing. Uh, here's where the, 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 the sketchy part of this is and where the, the line gets a little wobbly is you know, as we talked earlier, you know, what is queer baiting? What's putting it on hold for the future? I, how, how would we know? You know what I mean? Like as season one stands, you have to look at it in isolation as season one stands, that scene with Michael, um, with Isabel sort of coming out, that was queer baiting. It just, I mean, it was that to me, Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys may disagree and that's fine. I think that that was a making sort of a mockery of coming out. Um, and, and I'll talk more about it in the Michael episode. Uh, um, I loved that scene. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in some ways it felt like a mockery of women coming out because it wasn't a woman coming out. Um, and so it, it, it felt, it rings hollow now. And it's actually a scene that's weirdly hard for me to watch. Like some people have a hard time with 
watching Michael's hand get fixed or, or healed, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things. I can't really watch that scene anymore because it feels like here is a woman coming out to someone who's important to her, but it, but not really. And it just is, it, it hits me right in the gut every time. Well, my opinion is a little bit clouded on this issue because I was at TX and they actually talked about Isabel's possible orientation. And Karina and Lily kind of talked about how, you know, Isabel's been under Noah's control for God knows how long, years and years and years. And so now she's at a point where she's going to get to explore herself for the first time on her own and that the potential is there for, you know, for her to fall in love with anybody. And and I guess. Well, of course, the potential is always there. I just I don't know that it's queer baiting yet Mm -hmm. because we don't know what Isabel's storyline is going to be in season two. Right. I think, but I'm, but I think with them talking about it like that, and these, because this sort of vague, maybe that's, um, a sort of a, a red flag for me. But to me, that to me, it, because they're not making a joke out of it. Like they seem to be taking it very seriously in the conversation that I saw. It doesn't have to be a joke, though. Queer baiting doesn't have to be a, 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 not necessarily always. I know that definition we do, but there's lots of different. Mm-hmm. I don't think it necessarily has to be. You know, if you're again, we talked about this in the first episode, what we see versus what they say in social media and interviews, you know, that sort of the difference between the two. I'm fine with them sort of talking about what Isabel's going to do in season two. Now, if we get to the end of season two and the wink, wink, nudge, nudge stuff about Isabel, you know, we, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just I guess I'm trying to keep a positive outlook because I just really want queer female rep on this Oh, show. absolutely. I, I mean, I get it. Female. And I feel like Isabel's probably our best chance. And, you know, she's she's the female lead after Liz. So, just like Michael is the male lead after Max, I feel like to have both of them be queer would be almost groundbreaking. Yeah. Sarah, you mentioned this. We don't know how long she was under Noah's influence because we don't know exactly how long they've been together. They've been married. I'm not sure they mentioned that. Um, so when it comes to her relationship with Noah and also sexuality, I think, she doesn't have any time to explore it outside of him. Like she's under his influence since high school, one way or another. And then she's in a relationship with him on top of being, you know, possessed at times. So I think the two... Um, the two things, her exploring sexuality, only coming into it a little bit now, overlaps with what was the abuse that she suffered from Noah. What do you guys think about that? Well, my headcanon for Noah and Isabel's relationship is, you know, he obviously was influencing her prior to Rosa dying. Mm-hmm. I think Rosa dying is what, you know, brought him back fully and then he takes on this Noah persona. Karina has said that... Noah and Isabel were together for quote a long time so my kind of headcanon is that he they've been together since Isabel was out of high school so we're looking at you know possibly a date of him influencing her and I kind of headcanon that he influenced her to start dating him in the first place I think that's very possible yeah so she's been under his control in my opinion in almost every way for the last 10 years see that absolutely um, which is creepy and uh, terrible. I mean, it. Re- I mean, it really is yeah. because it, they, you know, they. Sh- it was so refreshing to see. Okay, so when the ep- when the season starts and they show her in bed with Noah, right, and they just sort of show that they have this like kinky side, and they mention it uh, um, 
a few times. I thought, I mean, that that was fucking amazing. I was like, hell yeah. yeah. Um, and I was, that's, you know, you never get to see that. You know, not only um, uh, an interracial relationship, but one that is, you know, has its own kinks and all of this. And then now that's just creepy. <laughs> so again, now you're just making mm-hmm. this sort of beautifully sexually active marriage where they're exploring all of these things. And now it has this tinge of creepiness that is... Um, it's again hard to watch i mean it just is so yeah so we do see a little bit like the beginning of her dealing with the aftermath of first what is her realizing she's killed someone then realizing it wasn't her and then realizing it was noah all along so there's this beautiful beautiful scene when they do um realize that it's noah with her and liz and i think I really do think that it's a turning point for her, um, not only for her as a character, but also for her relationships with women. Because before that, we've mentioned she's really, um, she always attacks other women when she feels pressured or she's angry. When she, she, It's like a defense mechanism for her. And I think that's like some brutal un- internalized misogyny there. But... Um, um, and I think that scene with Liz and her, I think it speaks more of Liz's character than not Isabel's, but um, she does realize she's attacking Liz and she does accept, accept the, um, the advice in the end. Um, and I also what I think it's beautiful about that scene is that she does try to deal with it on her own first and have a conversation with Noah and then she realizes, no, I need help for this. And she goes back and is like, Max, I, I want you to come with me. So I think the whole episode 12, I know the fandom went crazy because that was the, the whole Malik's episode. But I think episode 12 for Isabel is absolutely stunning for her storyline. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, one of the best parts of watching Isabel, even if I didn't love her in the beginning, is... By by the time episode 12 rolls around, that beautiful scene. Was that in 12 or 13? Anyway, it's all bleeding together. But that sort of beautiful scene where she meets um, Noah again and sort of lets him go or whatever. But even before then in episode 12, um, you can just see her, the weight of it, like holding her down. I mean, she looks sad. Yeah. The way that, you know, Lily sort of played that part was absolutely beautiful. Um, and it, it did get sort of overshadowed with the rest of episode 12, but she played that really, really well. I mean, yeah. Isabel is clearly is broken and rightfully, so, like, understandably so. Well, and the fact we haven't seen Isabel since Max died, you know, so she's been hit with, with Noah. She's been hit with all of this, you know, yeah. bad shit that's happened. And now we know Max is dead. Like, if, if Isabel wasn't already broken, which I agree with Amanda that she was, like, now... Well, because also not only so not only is Max gone for like the five minutes, he'll be gone. But however long Max is gone, not only that, but depending on what they do with Michael, he could also be moving away from Isabel in some ways. Mm -hmm. This does bring us into talking about season two and how much the absence of both Noah and Max, who Isabel has been depending on for all her life. So how do you think that her coming more into her own by the end of the season because we see her trying to um, access those additional powers in her last scene 
But how do you think that will change the moment she realizes Max is dead? Uh, I think she's going to fall apart once she realizes yeah. Max is dead because, you know, you know, they t- I remember earlier in the season where she's talking to Noah and, you know, that Max is her person. And when you lose that that person that is your person, it can be very unpredictable how you react to that. And I think that we've seen in the past, you know, when Isabel thought that Max was leaving, that Michael was leaving, you know, when they were in high school, she seemed like she was going to fall apart. So I think when you face Isabel without Max. But also here's a chance to have Isabel, you know, to if they want to follow through with that fake woke feminism. Mm-hmm. is also Isabel has the potential to be a very strong character. So I think it'll be interesting to see, let her fall apart, but also that not let her to be dependent on men the way that she has for so long. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's some potential here to really have her as a character that is really a, a great character growth as a woman outside of the men in her life. Um, and my God, I hope they do it. Yeah, I think the only obstacle to that will be that Rosa is back, yeah. as well as Max being dead. So she now knows she wa- it, it wasn't her, technically, but it was her hands on Rosa's body, you know? So, I mean, I don't know how will they do that, because it's it will be easy, I think, to put it out like... It wasn't me. I was possessed. That's it. Right. Aliens exist. You're back. So. Right. How do you let Rosa be angry? Yeah. At, because now the person she should be angry at is gone. Yeah. So the, or, or, so how do you let Rosa be justifiably angry at what happened to her, but also let Isabel come to the terms of the fact that it wasn't her and it was Noah? Because now the only person Rosa has to be angry at is literally Isabel and Michael. So Rosa, we've seen her on the show. Most of the season has the mystery character. Um, She's been dead. We've only seen her in flashbacks. So we've only seen her through someone else's eyes. Mostly Liz, sometimes Isabel. But I think she's a really interesting character. Like, I love Rosa. I, ro- I love that she's back. I'm super excited to see her in season two. Um, I think there's there's a really interesting dynamic Um with her being an addict, first of all. But second of all, we've seen mentions of it. We haven't seen it actually pan out in the season, but she's mentally ill from what Liz tells us. And she's she's become addicted to drugs because of that. And I think it will be interesting to see that be explored. Right. right. And what I love about Rosa is, I mean, from the very little that we've seen, um, is, you know, when you watch a show like Roswell, you have to, you know, to take in mind that none of what you're seeing has anything what being a teenager is actually like, right? I mean, nobody looks like that. No one acts like that. But with Rosa, yeah, there's some teenage stereotypes in there of sort of being angry, but, you know, Mm -hmm. rightfully so. But it did Mm -hmm. feel like I'm seeing a little bit of 15-year-old me reflected back a little bit more than you would normally see in a, a, you know, a dumb show about aliens Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. Um, That there's actual look at, at the struggles of being a teenage girl, um, what that means with when you're interacting with your family. It was, just, it's, it's been, that's my biggest part of why I love Rosa is that it feels a little bit more realistic when it came to that age. Now we'll see her as, you know, in now, I mean, she's still the same age, but you know, that'll be interesting. 
Yeah, I agree. I have always kind of been undecided about Rosa. And I think it's because to me, we haven't seen as much of her, obviously, because, you know, she's only in flashback. But I do think that she's a a good portrayal of an addict, of someone with a mental illness of, you know, and I'd like to see her kind of, you know, it seemed towards the end there before she died that she was kind of getting towards where she was going. She was getting better. Right. you Mm -hmm. You know, and that's as someone who suffers from mental illness, it's always encouraging to see a character because you don't see characters diagnosed with mental illness in the first place very often, but to see them kind of over, I don't want to say overcome it, but to get better. Well, and you know, it's, it's, it's nice. I mean, not everyone can be a Liz, right? Not everyone can be a successful scientist. Not everyone can be, you know, and, and, and I think it's, that's one of the reasons I like their dynamic Mm -hmm. is, that you're not you're not always going to be a Liz. Sometimes you are going to be Rosa and you're going to struggle a little bit more. I mean, you're just as valid and you're just as important, but you're not going to feel that way. And especially when it comes to being sisters and your parents, you know, you know, their dad putting pressure on them, um, yeah. which is normal on his part. Um, but, you know, that's I could I could understand why she would also be angry and frustrated and, and not only dealing with her mental illness and her drug addiction on top of that. It's a lot to deal with. Yeah. I do want to talk about that a little bit because we she does have a scene where she talks about that. The first scene that she has when she first meets Isabel, she does say it's this town. It it gives mm-hmm. you a spot that you have to live in. It gives you a name that you maybe you don't want and you, you try to break out of it and you can't. Like, you just can't. It's just this town. That's how they characterize you. That's how they see you. And you can change. It doesn't matter if you change. Right. So I do think that it's heartbreaking to watch because she she is trying to get better. She's getting help. We know she's getting help for Jim Valenti. And that's also on top of her being mentally ill, addicted. And she's all, she also finds out that she's not, her dad is not her dad. So like that at 19, like we don't know where she wants to go. Like she seems to me like she's this lost teenager that is as being characterized as someone that she isn't and she just can't break out of it because there's so much pressure from everyone else around her so what do you think about rosa's sexuality because i think it's interesting that we don't see her being as queer coded as isabel was yeah like her her reactions to isabel's attention kind of shift a little bit during she seems she doesn't seem completely freaked out she seems like yeah at first yeah well i mean then it got really freaking creepy yeah but in the beginning i mean i think she was doing a normal like uh i really truly the way that her and it may just be the way the actress played this but in the beginning before it got really creepy i was definitely reading her as this is not not straight right like sort of realizing like you know, maybe it's not Isabel, but maybe this is maybe this makes sense with where I am in my head and who I am. Like, I would have definitely thought that that's where that was going. Like, I definitely yeah. the, the way she played that she, well, she didn't think- the, uh, who, the actress did not play Rosa straight at any point. <laughs> yeah, I it's hard to not bring your like head cannons into it, especially as a fic writer. But in my mind, Rosa's I, I want to say she kind of leans more towards pain. I think she's just kind of open to anything. Yeah. Because, you know, she's not completely turned off by Isabel's attention in the beginning. It's really only when she becomes creepy stalker, a murder queen that she's like, oh, wait, no, never mind. I think Rosa just wants to be accepted. And I don't think in her mind 
that things like gender, I mean, this could be, this is a headcanon. This isn't anything we've seen, but I think it would make sense to see her as a character that she just wants to be accepted and loved. I mean, not that her family didn't love her, but they were sort of trying to put her into a box. Um, just yeah. like all families do. This is not a negative thing about Arturo or Liz, but you know, that, that she sort of felt stifled. So I could definitely yeah. see if there were ever a chance to have, uh, pansexual character, bisexual character, it would be Rosa. And I think that would have been an interesting way to go eventually. Yeah. And I think with having her back in season two at 19, because she's stuck at that age, whether or not she had it figured out before she died, I think it would be really interesting if they were to explore that as well as Isabel's sexuality. Not together, um, necessarily. But I think part of what she'll have to figure out now that she's back could possibly be a sexuality well and you she's from 10 years in the past and 20 2008 is a lot different from 2018 when it comes to sexualities mm-hmm. and acceptance and oh yeah well i'd also think about it in race issues mm-hmm. 10 years yeah. later i mean she's died before obama was elected but that is a lot uh, i think a little bit different than especially the mood now in 2018 especially when you are of hispanic descent you know, I think that's all that's going to be interesting, not only in terms of how sexuality has changed, but the, the conversation we're having about race, which the show is not yeah. subtle about. That'll be an interesting uh, her to experience. I mean, imagine imagine falling asleep or falling asleep, but, you know, sort of, well, ostensibly falling asleep when, you know, George W. Bush is president and then waking up when Trump is president. And yeah. he's missing everything in the middle. I mean, that's just very insane. I really need a line of her being like, wait, the guy from The Apprentice is president. The fuck? <laughs> right? That's Give it. Make it happen, Karina. I'll forgive the queer baiting if we get it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of siling into uh, Liz's character. Um, we can kind of start it off with her relationship with Rosa, which I think is really interesting because... They obviously care about each other, but they do have this dynamic of Liz wanting to be perfect because she doesn't want to wait on her dad. Right. In in the uh, in the flashbacks, I mean, when she was in high school, because her mom is gone. Her mom was, I think, an alcoholic, they say. And Rosa is kind of turning into her mom. So I do think that despite the fact that they do love each other and they care about each other, there's this sense of, why are you doing this? Like, there's so much pressure on Liz as well because of how Rosa is acting. Right. I I, I love Liz. I do. I, I love her character I have since the, the first episode. Um, and, and honestly, I love the Liz that... Um, that went out and sort of made, you know, a life for herself outside of Roswell. Yeah. I'm going to be interested with Liz and Rosa that where Liz was the younger sister and is now in every way, the older sister and sort of how does that change her dynamic? Is she going to have to, you know, something's going to have to shift between the two of them because the potential for even more isolation is there because now Liz has had a decade of success I guess, in her field. I mean, you can sort of assume that. And then Rose is going to feel already like a, an even bigger sense of disconnect between the two of them. No, I agree. Um, a lot of the pressure that Liz felt, I think, you know, that we saw in the flashbacks to kind of be the quote unquote better daughter. I mean, she put that on herself. I don't think that Arturo did that, but. Did right, that. right. But that's, 
That's a lot. That makes sense when you have siblings. I mean, you get that. Yeah. No, I do. But I think it, I think this whole, this dynamic switch where Liz is going to be the older sister is going to change their relationship in really interesting ways. Because I feel like Rosa may have, I know that you're you're saying, you know, that Liz is successful now. And so now she's, Rosa has this really highly successful scientist sister, whatever. I feel like that may take some of the pressure off of Rosa, though, Mm -hmm. in a way, because Liz has gone off and done her thing and become successful. And now Rosa's like, okay, Liz is okay. My dad's okay. Like now I hear now I might have the freedom to kind of do a little more of what I want to do. Yeah, I do think it depends also on how they plan to reintroduce Rosa into society now that she's back, because are they going to say that she that her old death was you know i don't know government the government conspiracy are they going to say she's a long lost cousin or something like you know that depends on how like what life they will plan for her i've always gone with the oh she's a cousin who looks just like rosa how coincidental theory (laughs) that's insane that's crazy i mean for a town that has to have there's zero chance that Michael, Max, and Isabel haven't let something show in the years that they've been in this, you know. I'm sure they're used mm-hmm. to turning a blind eye. Fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um, what is interesting um, that we've said about Rosa, that she's a Latina, she does get, she's the one that gets villainized when she dies. But she's not there for the aftermath. Liz's. Right. Which, um... She's not there for the whole decade of after Rosa's death because Arturo, we know Arturo um, mm-hmm. gets the brunt of it. But when she gets back, like the first thing she she has happened to her when she gets back is that she gets shot. Good Lord. Racist. So like she does, you know. Um, so that's a catalyst for the whole thing. So definitely she's, you know, the catalyst for the whole plot. And I think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. how she deals with it. Like she, I don't know, because she doesn't really focus on it. She just focuses on, you know what? I don't care. Like she cares, of course she cares that her dad is being targeted. Right. I don't think she sees herself, like she knows she's a target, but she's not as... Concerned. She's more concerned about Arturo. I think. Exactly. I mean, I, I yeah, definitely she's not think as that's concerned for her. Right, because I, she even says, as she even asks Arturo to come with her to go, you know, yeah. to come away. So I don't think she, she, she. I think before, you know, all of this stuff with Max, I think mm-hmm. it was just in her mind to just she could have left Roswell behind forever, you know. Yeah. And I, one of the interesting, one of my favorite scenes, and oh my lord, what episode is it? It's all blending together. But she's talking to Arturo, and she's basically saying, like, how do you deal with, like, having all these bad memories? And Arturo's like, do you think that's what I remember? Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there's there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that that really shows you Liz as a character. Um, she's sort of, not that she holds on to the bad stuff, but that's the things that you do remember in a lot of ways, I think. Um, but Arturo being coming at it from the standpoint of a parent, I thought that was yeah. a, be- a beautiful scene to, to, to sort of show them together. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Amanda, you mentioned it because it's really interesting how she deals with the trauma of Rosa dying. Um, and it speaks to her. She's not only a scientist in name, she's, her whole mind works scientifically. 
And we see it, we see it in her approach to trauma. We see her approach to um, trying to find out what happened to Rosa and her going Nancy Drew, which is a line that I love from Kyle. Right. Um, and her relationship with Max, even, she deals with the whole thing scientifically. And by the end of the season, we see her being like, you know what, maybe I could try and take the science out of it and try to put a little more heart into it. Well, and also this weird, I, I did like a lot of the lines about her being a scientist, but it, it it's still that sort of tropey idea that you can't be a scientist yeah. and also have emotions. Like, like that there's some sort of that, that left right brain divide that I think that we've all that a lot of people have focused on for a long time that has been found to be very untrue. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It didn't make me angry, but it was just those lines about, oh, you know, I use science as a, as a guard. It just felt like, I mean, you can be both, which she shows by the yeah. end of the season. Like, you can you can be emotional and expressive and feel your feelings and also be a scientist. Those aren't, mm-hmm. those aren't mutually ex- exclusive. But also, you know, if you look at, to me anyway, if you look at Liz in the flashback episodes... She's not as analytical as a teenager. No. You know, she is more open. Well, that's you know, 10 years. That, that's also 10 years open. of bitterness. Yeah. Versus yeah. not, not, you know, that's, that's not necessarily. But being, my point you know. is, is that I don't think that this kind of analytical scientist viewpoint, you know, or like mindset that she has, I don't think that's Liz's natural mindset. I think that's what she has built to protect herself over the years. And the yeah. Liz that we see at the end of the season that wants to open up to Max, that wants to kind of let her heart be vulnerable that's true Liz I think she's you know halfway through those things you know the true Liz is halfway between the analytical Liz and heart Liz because she was clearly successful as a scientist which means she does have an analytical you know that wasn't like a put on like obviously she didn't fake her way through that that she is at the heart of her she's an analytical person or she mm-hmm. wouldn't have, you know, it, she has to have that sort of mindset or she wouldn't have found success. But then she also yeah. has this other layer of, like, that's very accurate. Yeah. And that comes into play when we talk about Max. Now, disclaimer, I don't like Max. <laughs> I don't. Damn, girl. Um, <laughs> Damn, I just, girl. I'm just going to say because, you know, okay, I don't like him. But I do, I do like him when it comes to Liz. Like, when he's around Liz, he's another person. Um, and I think some of Liz's best moments come from having a conversation with Max. Mm-hmm. Because we see in high school, I know, Amanda, you wanted to talk about this moment of wanting to, not wanting to stay for a boy yeah. and not wanting com- to compromise on her life choices because of a boy. Yeah. And, and then telling him later, I'm glad that I left. Like, fuck yeah. yes. Yes. Because... The one thing I hate is when you have intelligent women who sacrifice their life and their career for a man. Now, she did return to Roswell, but they did at least have that, you know, scenes of her going in to to find a job and, you know, talking about the grant and all these things. Like, that is a wonderful moment. Like, she can have both. There's not this... We always have this trope of you can have your career or you can have your man, and you can't have them both, and there's no way to have those two exists at the same time and i think liz is one of the uh, proof that you can that you can that you of course you can that you can have every really and professionally and personally that those can be together and i think that that is that that is the one thing that they have done right with liz that i have appreciated more than anything else i agree there i think that 
I have very complicated feelings about Max. Max. <laughs> right. And also, I mean, mm-hmm. Max. It's boring. He's kind. He's boring, but he's also he's mm-hmm. kind of stupid. And right, right, right. And for me, and I don't I, right. I don't want it to turn into like the Max episode, but absolutely. I mean, he's just sort of. I mean, what is he? I mean, he's a straight white dude pining after a woman. Like, rightfully so. Liz is amazing. You should pine after her. But when I'm watching him in those two lines that he made about being a feminist and he was laughing both times, I have never wanted to punch a screen so hard in my life. Like, it's just like straight white dude disease. That's what, and that's and that's the thing is that I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I that I can't connect with Max in any way. I, I do like his relationship with Liz. I think their scenes are sweet. I think they're wonderful. I, you know, I can understand people shipping and loving the hell out of them. I definitely get it. But Max, to me, is an infuriating character. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing, nothing, a lot of what, I don't want to say nothing, but a lot of what he says and does comes off as disingenuous when it doesn't involve Liz. And so I think that's going back to what we've all said, where he's, I only really like Max at this point when he's with Liz, because Liz makes him a better person. Yeah, but if we talk about Max and Liz, I think they have one of the single most beautiful love confessions on the show. Which is saying a lot, considering that Alex and Michael have their whole thing going on. Um, <laughs> but when he goes to her, like in at the end of episode nine, when they have the before they have the first kiss, she she's saying, "I'm I'm not the same person. I'm ten years old. Like this decade has changed me. I'm a mess." And he says, "I see your faults, and I love you because of them easily." And I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I think it's something that she needed here because she, I think she herself only sees her faults. She doesn't see what's good about her. Well, doesn't everybody want to hear that the person that they love loves them, not despite their faults, but because of them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. Moving on to Maria, she is possibly one of my favorite characters on the show. And she also breaks my heart because we haven't seen a lot of her. And she gets, now that the season is over, she gets the brunt of the hate from the fandom, I think. And it's very unfair. I think it's just because, because you know what? Vlamis has said this and a lot, I do understand that a lot of what Vlamis says Vlamis <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening Vlamis <laughs> just know every time you talk we all get angry <laughs> no but he does say that the fandom wasn't on board isn't on board with Michael and Maria yet because we haven't seen a lot of them and I think that's valid for Maria as well because we haven't seen a lot of Maria And we haven't seen a lot of Maria Mm -hmm. being her own character, especially because what we've seen about her was about Liz. Right. It was was barely ever. Yeah, we have these sort of, we have these like, you know, the the foundation owns her own business, her relationship Mm -hmm. with her mother that was dropped after five minutes. I mean, you know, you have these beautiful parts of her character that were never explored again. Well, and you can't, you almost, like, I'm not saying that fandom is right because I'd, I'd like Maria. But you almost can't blame the fandom for kind of turning against Maria because you are putting her as the obstacle between the most popular ship and the fandom. Oh, yeah. And I also think we haven't seen her 
her side of it, aside from her revealing Michael's sexuality to Liz, which is something that infuriates me, um, and her, she's been established as this loyal friend, and then at the end of the season, she goes and does this selfish thing, which I don't think I don't think it's necessarily like she, it doesn't make her cruel mm-hmm. or anything. No, it makes her she human. Does selfish thing with someone that's basically been the only person that's been around her for 10 right, years. Right, right, right. And, 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 uh, ah, so, you know, we need more, <laughs> we need more of, of Maria, but here's the thing. We, fandom tends to think of things in black and white, a yeah. shocking amount of time. Right. Yeah. So Maria, I mean, if you lay it all out, she is just as lost. She is just as broken in some ways as a lot of as, as every other character in this damn show um and she is probably feeling quite isolated alex has been mm-hmm. gone liz has been gone I and mean, alex may be back and forth who knows you know in town but her best friends have been gone she's been do- and dealing died. and rose has died and she's been dealing with all of this michael is probably a constant in her life yeah. I mean, I don't think that, and also, even if you look at viewing being with Michael as, as a selfish act and mm-hmm. on a friend's side of it, yeah. they've also been in each other's lives consistently and constantly for 10 years, and she's also human. You yeah. cannot help, with that whole conversation with, you know, with Liz, one of my favorite little scenes between Liz and Maria, is you can't help who you have feelings for, and I think, I think, and Chasing wrote a great meta about that the there is actually a good foundation for Michael and Maria in the show if you if you care to look for it and I I, yeah, I, I, I tend to mean. agree I tend to agree well, with that. I mean I'm gonna say something that's gonna make me sound like those crazy shippers, but I hated that scene with Maria and Liz where they talked about you can't help who you fall for because that's true you can't help who you fall for but you can help what you do about it and yeah i mean absolutely absolutely i mean i'll agree with you on that i i tend to think of it as someone who has you know made some relationship mistakes and 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 did a lot of things that maybe hurt other people for my own selfish Mm -hmm. desire um i get it and i and i don't blame her for i it's some at the end of the day like and this is going to sound really brutal and please still be my friend. But at the end of the day, it really is about, you know, your own sense of self-preservation and your own happiness. Not that at the complete sacrifice of everyone around you, but you know, she's clearly to me kind of a selfless character in a lot of ways. Like, you know, this, this moment of selfishness, I get it. And a lot of it was spur of the moment and like in the moment. No, I get it. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that she shouldn't have gone after Michael, like, that's a decision that it's more about, I don't know. I, I have such complicated feelings on the matter because Maria is a selfless character and you pick this moment and this this person that you know is the source of hope for this person who's your best friend. Right. And no, I, get it. I think Absolutely. that's a lot no, different than going after somebody maybe your best friend briefly dated but this is like somebody that you know is the epic love of his life but also she doesn't have the full the full context of their relationship though does she not because she does she does not okay so we now she does this show I wish you guys could see Mick right now just like we yes. never know who knows what in no, the show ever but 
I'm pretty sure she doesn't know the full context of it. I'm pretty sure she does not know that they were together again after 10 years. I'm pretty sure she thinks at this point in time it is one-sided and it's what it was. Um, they were together in high school, but she doesn't know that they were together in the present timeline. From, from what we've seen on screen, you're absolutely correct. Like, and, Michael, and Michael told her that they weren't together. Okay, fair enough. Also, not the Malik's episode. Let's let's go on. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and and actually, you know what? That's actually we've done. We've just shown exactly one of the problems with Maria as a character, and what they've done is that you Absolutely. can't talk about her outside of Malik's, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's unfortunate because she is, uh, you know, this sort of. We've gotten glimpses that great conversation she had about being a black woman with Liz yeah. and her mom, like those scenes with her mom. Like mm-hmm. that, I hate that that was dropped. Really. Um, because all it did, okay, so all it really did was, again, facilitate more, you know, information about aliens or, um, exactly. and facilitated yeah. that, that like, scene with Michael. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it mm-hmm. just still felt like this wasn't exploring Marie as a character. She is, she has been a plot device since day one mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. that's doing her a disservice. I Absolutely. Think. I mean, I want to love Maria. I like Maria as a character, but I want to love her. I want her to be one of my favorites. Love and her. I think we, I really think that we will. I think her development, I really think that that's going to happen. I feel it. And as um, Maria, I think uh, is probably the character I'm most excited for in season two. Right. Because mm-hmm. from the little spoilers that we had from Karina, we know that we will get more into our family history which I'm really excited about with the whole necklace thing, like where they are part of Project Shepherd, like what's going on with them. And I'm really excited possibly for her to explore her abilities a little bit more because like we know she's a psychic. Like something, but, there's something there, right? You know? Mm-hmm. And when, and this is the main thing for me, when will she know about aliens? Oh, I know. They've kept She's this woman one. in the dark. I know. I, I, I know. And and and, and mm-hmm. now it may make sense in season two. And you're like, oh, OK, I, I don't see how. But, you know, you never know. There has to be. I would think it's either a grave oversight in terms of writing and planning out a season, because if season one had ended, she would have never known. Like, what was the yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that is insane to me. She had- Honestly, at this point, uh, you know, the, the Malik stuff aside, because, I mean, whatever, that's that'll be. But I think season two, Maria is top of my list of, of what it is going to be interesting to me. Because um, there's a because they've done nothing with her, really. Mm-hmm. There's so much they could do with her. Yeah. Um, there's just n- literally nothing but potential ahead. I, uh, I really would like to see. I feel like with the alien reveals and whatever, I want Maria to be angry. I want her to be like. Yeah. I know. I, you know, I think hell? that would be interesting because everyone has just been sort of like, Man. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you're an alien. Okay. And especially if everybody around her knows and didn't tell her, I want her to be angry. I want her to feel betrayed. I Because me personally, if like I found out that my best friends and everybody around them knew about this huge alien secret and didn't tell me, I'd be pissed the hell off. Right. Yeah. I don't think she would be angry like that Michael was an alien. I don't know. But I mean, the fact that no, that no one has told her. No like, one told no her. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. So we've also seen some coded moments that we've talked about with Maria and Isabel. But I think that's my, just my head canon. But I think that Maria's relationship with Rosa was a little bit more romantic 
than just friendship. Because we have hints of that, or that's just people reading into it. What Isabel says that she's still so loyal to her, she still listens to the same music, she's still obsessed with her, blah, 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 blah. But um, I think it could also be onto something. Maybe. Um, you know, I, I, when I was watching and on my rewatches, had I not been in fandom, I don't know that I would have. Yeah. Have, have really yeah. seen that. I think it was being in fandom and reading headcanons and fix and all of that. Now when I watch it, I, I, I see, you know, I see. So part of me is kind of like, I don't really know if that really exists or if, it, if it's more of a, we've almost basically accepted Maria as being bisexual as, in terms yeah, yeah. of the fan, of, of the fandom versus anything that we've seen on screen. So I think, well, it, I think that's what comes down to the fandom versus canon issue. Well, I watched the show with my best friend who's not in fandom and she recognized that it seemed like to her that Maria was into Rosa. Maybe, yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah, at the same time, it's also so brief. Like we have so very few scenes. Like I think we have a- actually just one s- actual scene between them. So it's more stuff we hear oh, about, right? And, and that's my the fact right. that she's still so loyal to Rosa after s- so much time, and that conversation, that line that Isabel has in episode eleven. Uh, when they think she's the fourth alien, I think it's more a little bit more about circumstances right. than things that we've actually seen. But I think it will be really exciting to see how they'll deal with it in season two if she knows that Rosa is back. I agree. But yeah. So. Jenna. My favorite. Um, okay, so we did want to touch on Jenna a little bit because she's a minor character, but she's a big part of season one. So she's a woman in the force and she was in the ar- army, I think. I don't think she was in the air force. And she does have this l- really witty one-liners and she's just a blast. I think she's one of my favorite minor characters. Um, but I think her character in a lot of um, scenes can be read as a fake woke instance of feminism. Yeah, I don't think her character, I think the way the, the basis of her character is amazing. Yeah. I think the way the greatest sacrifice of season one is Jenna Cameron. She has, she is a badass in every way. And then they sacrifice her for the plot and they sacrifice her to Max. And they yeah. make her the brunt of fake woke feminism. You know, like, it's not... I think that her as a character could... could Is a strong... If anyone's going to be coded as queer, it should have been Jenna Cameron. Anyway. And it's not just being in the military and then being on the police force. But it, 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 but it is part of that. She's in these male-dominated areas, like arenas in life. And, I mean, that's, that scene between her and Kyle and, and Alex... There's a lot of queer energy in that room for there to be. Oh only my one god! Character. <laughs> I'm just saying, not one straight person in that. <laughs> not one straight person at all. And I think that that was her, her the the way that her ending was exactly the kind of 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 gross fake woke feminism that we see. The way that they sacrifice her for a man. I'm. Mm-hmm. I hated that 
all of a sudden she had these romantic feelings yeah, for Max. It was sex. It was sex. Yeah. It was sex and it was hot sex. She took charge. I'm so sorry I'm yelling in the microphone. She took charge <laughs> in episode two. She was, it was all her. If you watch, I have weirdly watched that scene a lot. I don't know. Don't ask. So I've seen it and she took charge and it was this beautiful sense of a woman enjoying sex for sex sake, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden there's feelings in it because, of course, there's feelings in it. She's a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, a more revolutionary would have been them, like, tap knuckles at the end of the fucking season. <laughs> like, that would have been amazing because it was like, here's a woman who just enjoys sex, you know, with, with men. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this sort of all these emotional feelings at the end. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's my rant. But if she comes back, I feel like there's a chance there to kind of redeem that. Yeah, there's also the the, um, the part of the storyline that deals with her sister right. um, and her sister being the, in a military facility and all of that. I think that would be a, a good basis for her to come back and to possibly, you know, branch out in different plots. That would be really interesting. And I do want her back. Karina, if you're listening to this, please do <laughs> bring Jenna back. We want her back. There's like five of us that love her. Deeply, we want her back. I, I, you know, I want a, a, a woman, a female character who can kick the ass of everyone else and who can use a gun like that. The Southern in me was like, oof. I mean, bring her back. Yeah, I had a, I had a moment when she looked straight at Wyatt and shot his tail flap out. Oh, my God. Like, um, all right. I am not straight. <laughs> <laughs> So last thing we wanted to mention, uh, shout out to Cisco Kid for um, writing to us on Tumblr. Um, they wanted us to mention Mrs. Evans and Claudia Black. Um, so, Amanda, I know you have a problem. Why is it always with her white privilege? <laughs> I think you know. Uh, I rewatched a little bit last night with the with the Mrs. Ann Evans. Is that her name? Yeah, I think um, with her with her character last night, and I really think that she is one of the most problematic characters in this show. And it's not, you know, it, it's it's she has this white privilege. She asks Max to basically look the other way when people that they know have broken a law. I mean, I don't think it was a big, big deal, but a big law, you know, they didn't murder someone. But it's still this idea that, um, that her son is a police officer and they're white and and everything that's going on in this country and the way that she presents herself, they clearly have money and privilege and the way she treats Isabel versus Max. Mm -hmm. There's some, it, it's for her not having been in there for very long said a, a, a lot to me. Um, it, yeah. it represented a lot of upper, upper middle class white privilege in this country. Um, and I'm just going to be straight out and say that I do not like her character. And that, I think maybe that was the point. I mean, maybe, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, but um, it was, it didn't sit well with me as, I don't think it was supposed to sit well. Right. I, I mean, yeah, that, that may be the point. She's supposed to be a character that we don't like. You know, it's a little hard for me because Claudia Black played two of the greatest female sci-fi characters in, t- in the history of television, in my opinion, as an OG Stargate fan. So it's hard for me to dislike her because I see I see Vala Valderan on screen. But you're not. I don't think you're supposed to like her. I think that that's Karina's point with the character is that 
Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I, we'll see. We'll see. I'd to see more of her in season two, even, you know. I think it was like her that. presence and the way that they wrote her. Um, this, um, you know, if, if I'm also, if I'm tired of the man tears from people like Max, then I'm tired of the white privilege from people like Ann mm-hmm. Evans. And so it, it, it yeah. it's, it's something that I think if they're not going to introduce again, if they're not going to have her in any more episodes, then I think that that was a weird choice. I think that other than maybe giving us a glimpse into to the privileged life that Max and Isabel had, because people can argue with me on Tumblr all they want. Max and Isabel were privileged in a, in a way that certainly Michael wasn't. Um, and I think that that's part of it. So I think, you know. But they did have that nice scene at the end of the episode where he was comforting Max. I think that was nice. I think that she. Right. But she, I, I, you know what? I didn't rewatch this. But didn't she have like a weird moment in the hospital where she was basically not there for Isabel? Like wouldn't give her the same. But I thought it was because Isabel didn't want to see her or that they want. They were trying to keep her from Isabel. Yeah, but that's. Her being her her mother, she gives a lot more to Max than she does Isabel, yeah, and and I think that's very very clear on screen. And I think that that's some poor Isabel. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think in general, as far as moms go on Roswell, I don't know. All of the characters are really um, they're not really fleshed out. Like even Mimi, we don't see a lot of her. We it's kind of it's kind of a parallel with. Um, with Anne Evans, because we see both of them being introduced, and then they're just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, they're introduced, they have this little bit of plot, and then it goes nowhere. And um, I think possibly the character that is most fleshed out is the sheriff, but she has no name. There's no name! But at the end of the day, that's also, um, she's also part of, you know, just forwarding the plot for Kyle and for Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, she had that really, really good scene. She had a couple of really good scenes with Kyle yeah. um, where they sort of talked about her own prejudices, and I thought that was really interesting, and I really that hope... Really yeah, yeah, I really hope she's going to be in it more because I think that Sheriff Valenti, give her a fucking name, it would be really interesting. Okay, so that was our second episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you guys for all the feedback that you gave us for the first episode. Um, Keep the questions coming because we love them and we would love to hear from you. Um, So just a quick shout out to our social media. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Tumblr, and on Facebook at Queer Alien Blast. We also have an email set up, which is... Uh, queeralienblast at gmail.com and you can listen to us on Podbean, on Spotify and on iTunes um, and real quick our personal accounts are Shotsbacks for me Mick on Twitter um, I'm uh, Amanda is by Alien Blast on Twitter uh, this is Sarah I am Fraudjuziax on Twitter so you can send us your questions your doubts your suggestions for future episodes and we'll keep that in mind so cheers guys thank you thank you thank you